0: Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, expert in education, child development, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a comprehensive, trauma-informed, self-regulation program that integrates social-emotional learning, school culture, and discipline. It's also a brain-based program that helps us understand the impact of stress on learning and how to manage that stress in order to create healthy relationships and resolve conflicts peacefully. In short, it helps teachers and students learn how to manage their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in order to optimize all life experiences with a focus on academic success. So what are real teachers? Real teachers experience stressors inside and outside their work environment. Real teachers are asked to teach academics to a social brain. Now just think about that. That right there just makes you want to quit. This requires creating lessons that are meaningful and interactive while meeting standards that are often meaningless and linear. Real teachers at times feel like a police, social worker, counselor, entertainer, nurse, parent, and possibly a psychiatric patient. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek to love themselves as much as they love others. Today, we are continuing our discussion about a reality that's facing us all, active shooter drills, or as we know them, lockdowns in schools. The ultimate question becomes, how do we prepare teachers and children for life and death situations and for optimal learning at the same time. This podcast is one in a four-part series we are doing on the topic of lockdowns. I think it's important that we look at it from all perspectives. Part one was from the perspective of a principal. Part two was a perspective from teachers. And now we're going to the heart of the matter. We're gonna look at, at the perspective of students and parents. I've invited Hannah Mercer, a high school student, and her parent, Nicole Mercer, to talk to us today. So let's start with Hannah. Now, Hannah is a 16-year-old junior in high school. She has been exposed to conscious discipline from her mother, um, probably since she was two or three years old. She is an active member of the thespian group, a National Honor Society member, and works at an after-school program sharing her conscious discipline skills with children and after-school teachers. Welcome, Hannah, to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm excited. Well, I am too, because we get a perspective that we don't often get. So we want to talk about school lockdowns. Now, have you had lockdowns and how many years have you been doing them?
1: Um, I had two lockdowns and a bomb threat my freshman year, and that was two years ago.
0: And do you usually have drills like active shooter drills? Do you all have to practice these lockdowns or (laughs) you do it only when you get a threat?
1: Um, well, that's the thing. We never had a drill before it happened because my first lockdown happened the second week of freshman year. So school literally just began. It was like the last week of August. And so we had no drill before that.
0: That was a real lockdown for a real reason then.
1: Yes, it was not a drill.
0: <laughs> not a drill. Okay, so tell me about that. So you go into school and take us through that day.
1: Okay, so I... My middle school was very tiny and very sheltered, and there was a total in the whole middle school of 88 people, and there were 23 people in my grade, and over half of them I'd known since kindergarten. So it was a very small, very like intimate middle school. I'd never been exposed to any fights, any type of drugs or alcohol or anything until I got to public school and high school as in freshman year, and so...
0: That's quite a transition. Um, Yeah,
1: it was already very overwhelming because all of a sudden I went from having 23 people in my grade to having the biggest freshman class in 11 years, which had about, we had about 650 people in my freshman class. It was insane. And so it was in Spanish, uh, third period, and I'm still, first of all, not used to having a bell to change classes because at my old school, we didn't have bell systems. So... There's a loud beep that goes off, and it says, "'Teachers, please lock your doors.'" And everyone else starts moving to the back corner, and the teacher goes, and she locks her doors, and she turns the lights off, and I'm like, like, what is happening? (laughs) And they're like, we're at a lockdown. You guys can't leave, and no one can come in. And we had to turn the lights off and go sit on the tile in the back corner to where if someone were in the hallway and they looked in the classroom, they wouldn't be able to see any kids.'" So I didn't even know what was happening. I was like, basically, what's a lockdown was my whole thing. I never even really had to think about a lockdown.
0: So many of the other kids had come from a school where they'd had lockdowns before then.
1: Oh, yeah. I was the rarity because I was the kid that was like never even heard of a lockdown
0: And so how was that experience that day? I mean, did your heart start racing? I mean, so you're sitting over there wondering what in the world. So take us through what you're saying in your head and what you're feeling in your body.
1: Yeah, like when the intercom came on, I was just like, like my heart just like stopped. I was like, uh, and I was like, my teacher was kind of like anxious. I could tell that she knew something she wasn't telling us. So it was just like the whole room kind of felt like buzzed, like, like, everyone didn't know what to do, and we were just anxious, and we were all kind of, like, I don't know if we were at the point of, like, scared yet. I know my heart was, like, racing with, like, adrenaline, because I was, like, I've never even had any kind of real threat. Like, I did not even know what to do. So, like, I just had to, like, kind of, like, follow the crowd. And so yeah. I just had to sit, and the worst part was we can't talk. So we're sitting in the dark in a corner on the tile, and we can't talk to each other. That's like when I like sat down, I had to like tell myself that I needed to like calm down in order to think because obviously if it was like a real threat situation, I can't be freaking out because then I wouldn't be able to logically move forward from that. So um, I sat down and I just kind of Took some breaths and like calmed down and like regrouped. I mean, we weren't supposed to talk, but I leaned over to the person next to me and I was like, "What is going on?" And they were like, "We're on a lockdown. Like we're good." I was like, "Oh, okay, cool."
0: So that other person didn't seem to mind. They're like, "Okay, just you know, chill. We're in a lockdown. Like it's no big deal." Is that what kind of the feel you got from the comment?
1: I mean, kinda, yeah, but for the class as a whole everyone was kind of anxious because the worst part of a lockdown is not knowing what's going on because the teachers don't tell you. So we, it could be anywhere from like they had a gunshot go off two miles away and we have to be on lockdown as a safety precaution, or it could be there's A person in the hallway with a gun roaming the halls. So, like, the worst part is, like, not knowing. So when you're calming yourself down, you just have to think that, like, you know, I'm safe, the doors are locked, I'm in a concrete room, you know. Like, logically, you're safe at the moment. So that's just one thing that was, at first, hard for me to grasp, because I was a completely foreign situation. So... The person next to me, obviously, it had some practice with it because they went to a a public middle school where I didn't.
0: Right. So let's go back then. So after it's over. So now it's the all clear and you've got to go back to learning Spanish or back to learning something. (laughs) How did that work for you? Did your mind just kind of go, okay, it's over. Let's just go back here and don't de esta or what happened?
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, So that lockdown lasted, I think, two hours. So, yeah, that was third period. So we got out of lockdown. It was in lunch. So we breaked for lunch, and then you hear 5,000 versions of what happened. Because everyone yeah. has their own story. Everything from they were right outside my classroom to there wasn't even a gun. So... That's what was hard also is because it's over and you don't know what happened. And then you get on the news and you see that, you know, there's news people outside. And of course, no one is focused on actually learning anything the rest of the day at all. And how about the next day? I mean, does that carry over at all? Oh, I was terrified the next day because it was like a Tuesday. I had been at school for six days and I had a lockdown. And I'm like, I still can't find my way to class, much less worry about having lockdowns.
0: (laughs) Having someone shoot you on your way to class. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, like, it took me a little bit to, like, readjust. And, like, that next day when I walked into Spanish, I'm telling you, I was like, please, Lord, let there not be another lockdown. And everyone jokes about it now because my school's like, on the border between, like, the south end of town, kind of. And it's next to not a great neighborhood. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, Lincoln's a lockdown school. So like, because of that one year where we had three big things happen. So no one was really focused on anything, probably the rest of that week.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so for you, how does that carry over to all the lockdowns you've experienced since then?
1: I mean, it sounds bad, but like, I'm kind of used to the idea of a lockdown. And now I know how to handle myself and how to calm myself down and then be able to help my friends because the first lockdown, it wasn't bad. They heard gunshots in the neighborhood right next to my school. So they had to put us on lockdown because they were so close until they got someone over there to check it out. And then, But the second lockdown, there was actually someone with a gun on campus and um, they were in the parking lot and they had a mask. So that one was the more uh, like a high intensity lockdown we actually knew that what was happening because I had a teacher who actually told us what was going on. So having experienced the first lockdown and the second lockdown happened later in the year I was able to calm myself down. I had this girl she was kind of like freaking out and she was like I'm really scared. I just kind of like helped calm her down and put things in perspective. She was not quite having a panic attack but she was kind of like on the border and yeah. so yeah
0: kind of close
1: yeah so I just helped her to breathe and you know I just told her to like when I breathe you breathe so she just matched me and then she calmed down and then she was like okay I was like they have a bunch of cops here you know we already had the resource officer on campus who saw him they put us on lockdown immediately the classroom I was in at the time it wasn't Spanish <laughs> um had no windows so we were in probably one of the safest classrooms so I just kind of
0: talked her down off yeah. the ledge there yeah basically so, now did you learn these strategies at school I mean do the teachers talk to you <laughs> okay I guess that's the answer <laughs> so there's no preparation like okay they're going to tell you it's a lockdown and in that lockdown here's how you can calm yourself down or stay calm.
1: No, I've still never had a drill. I'm a junior and never had a drill. And you'd think that after my freshman year, having a lockdown the second week of school, at the beginning of every school year, they would have a drill, which seems logical, but it had not happened. So my sister, who's a freshman, if we go on lockdown, she's not going to know what to do.
0: So y'all have no drills up there. And you think a drill would help if you could practice the steps and procedures, even though no one says now you can breathe or now you can think logically about what's happening. They don't give you any strategies once you're locked down, but you don't even get a drill of the procedure of how to do a lockdown.
1: Oh, I'm sure we're supposed to have one, but our school just does it. And we need to, because if you have kids who come from a different school who have never been exposed to lockdowns like me, I'm like, why should you turn the lights off? Like, I literally have no idea what a lockdown was supposed to be. So a drill would be tremendously helpful because then I am prepared and I know what to do instead of freaking out and texting my mom, I'm going to die today.
0: Yes. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So there's no drill, no practice for this, but also no one telling you any strategies about Let's take a couple deep breaths. Let's relax here. Is the teacher coaching or what's the teacher doing?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> they definitely were not coaching. When I was in Spanish for the first one, my teacher just kept saying that we weren't allowed to talk. So uh-huh. if I wanted to ask a question, which I believe me, I did. I wasn't allowed to. So that didn't help because then I was left to sit and make up stuff in my head. Right. Which only I'm sure. And I wasn't the only one, too. So everyone's, you know, panic spreads like wildfire. So when you have one person sitting there panicking, then the whole room is just a ball of panic. And that's not good for anyone. Yeah, so
0: The teacher's not saying you're safe. No. We've got this. No, she told you nothing. She just said, be quiet and shut up.
1: It was Spanish one general class and the teacher was just like, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. And she was at her computer getting updates and she wasn't letting the class in on the
0: updates.
1: It was just hard being kept in the dark. I mean, literally and figuratively.
0: Exactly. So in that next one, When you had a different teacher who actually gave you a little information, did that teacher ever try to help you calm down, like saying, you're safe, we're surrounded by police, we're taking care of this, everyone relax? Was there any kind of encouragement about that?
1: I'm not really sure of encouragement, but she... Could sense that we needed to know what was going on. She knew enough that she knew we needed to know what was happening. So her boyfriend was actually a cop. And so he was one of the people that came to the school. So he was sending her updates. Like we found him, he's contained. And so the actual getting the threat under control only took probably about 20 minutes, but then they had to wait for, you know, all the process. So we were on lockdown for that one for, I think it was close
0: to four hours four hours.
1: It was at least three, three and a half.
0: So now you've had your second one. You've got a little more information. So how about coming to school the next day? Because that day shot, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. There was absolutely no way anyone was going to be able to do anything after that.
0: Okay. And now the next day, at what point can you get back and start Focusing on learning, I'm sure it's individuals. But for you, I mean, could you just jump in the next day and be okay?
1: No. And the second lockdown happened. It was first period, right in the morning. It was it was hard. I mean, especially when you're on lockdown for that long, and you have to go right back in the next day, first thing in the morning, right when it happened, in the same class. You know, not even 24 hours later. And you're expected to learn and then pass the test at the end of the week.
0: So when you get in there the next day, there's no, let's take a moment and talk about yesterday and reflect on it. No, it's just like, okay, we're back to the grind, right? We're going to learn.
1: Yeah, to put it in perspective, in everyone's heads, it's like we're being held at gunpoint because the gun is on campus. School's school is safe, but it's not that safe. Obviously, no. if the guy was yeah. able to walk on campus with a gun, we're sitting in class thinking, my life is threatened. And then 24 hours later, we're expected to take in new content in the same environment with the same conditions a day later, and then be able to pass a test at the end of the week. It's a joke. And especially when the teacher doesn't acknowledge the fact that we need to slowly ease back into it. Cause we're also thinking, like, obviously it's the second one this year within a semester. I mean, we're all a little shaken up yeah, after that. So you bet. it took me, I think, like at least probably a week to come back from that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And a week's pretty quick. So good for you, Hannah. Yeah. Teachers are listening to this. Okay. okay. So we kind of got a picture of what we don't want to do there. All right. Now, so what would you tell teachers? What could teachers do to be more helpful before, during and after? So let's start. What could they do before a lockdown ever happens? Just start with the before. What would you like teachers to hear from you from the student point of view?
1: I would tell teachers that even if the school doesn't have a mandatory drill for lockdowns, that as a student, I thrive on having a plan and what I'm gonna do when this happens. So even if the school doesn't require it, I would say for teachers to walk your students through what happens uh, during a lockdown. Say, the first thing that's gonna happen is the intercom is gonna go off. Then we're going to go in the back corner and the lights are gonna get turned off. And then we're gonna sit in quiet and breathe as a group or something, like walk your students through what is going to happen and what's expected to happen under any circumstance, whether it's like a huge threat or a minor threat.
0: Right. Okay. So now we're during, so now the lights are off. You're sitting back there huddled up. What would you think would be helpful for a teacher to say or do during these three, four, two, five, six hours, however long this is going to last?
1: I would say, first of all, that the teacher needs to calm themselves down before directing the students, because I could feel the panic off my teacher the first lockdown. So I'd say first thing during a lockdown the teacher needs to do is gain composure themselves. And then help the students to breathe and feed them the information that they need. You don't have to tell us everything because we don't need to know everything. But we need to know enough that we know we're safe.
0: Right. So you just need that notion to know enough that you're safe And here's the information. Here's what I know right now. The suspect is contained and you're safe. Yes. That's what I know right now. So we're going to stay here until we get the all clear. Just simple and giving a little information as much as they know and reassuring you that that information contributes to additional safety. Yes. Now let's go to after. So it's done. It's the all clear button. And either you're all going to another class or whatever you're going. I mean, What would be helpful immediately after and then, like, the next few days?
1: Immediately after, more breathing because we're just so relieved. And I know this one girl was during the second one. She was so relieved that she actually started, like, almost crying. So more breathing and more, like, reassurance that, like, you're safe to leave the classroom now because I was hesitant to leave the classroom. So encouragement of you can get through this day because the threat is removed and then for the next couple of days I think it's just crazy to expect the kids to be able to learn brand new content a day after that has happened so if the teacher doesn't want to lose class time then have them review or Do something that's not brand new content, because my senses were heightened when I walked into the class the next day, even though we were on lockdown. Yeah. Because it's the same classroom where it happened. Right. So when the kids walk in that next day, have them breathe again, and then tell them that if there's another lockdown, you're safe, and then... Give them at least a day.
0: Yeah, just decompress.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a free day, but...
0: Yeah, so some ideas for teachers then is you can kind of review some content you've talked about. What do you think about just having some kind of open discussion about how that was for each one and how we can improve this and what would be helpful to each student if it happens again? Would that, you think that would help anything or that make it worse?
1: I think that's a fantastic idea because a lot of kids are too scared to admit, like, especially the guys, if I'm being honest, are too scared to admit that they were actually frightened during the scenario and then hearing that their classmates were going through the same thing, it bands us together and it helps us realize that when we're all scared, we don't have to sit there in our heads and make it up and feel like we're being targeted. It makes us realize that everyone in the class is feeling the same thing. So we can, like, come together and help each other out. So I think that post-discussion would be really important for, like, everyone to connect and, like, see that you weren't the only one freaking out.
0: Right, and that makes complete sense. So that could be an opportunity to bring everyone together as opposed to everyone making up their own stories and then running to lunch and making up more stories and everyone (laughs) trying to outdo each other in the story or all that stuff that... We try to pretend like it didn't happen and within us and all that. So, Hannah, you have been phenomenal at sharing with us a, a very personal experience, and I want to thank you, and I want to thank you on behalf of all the teachers. And for those who are listening, you've heard what happens within and what happens in some schools. I encourage you to listen to Hannah, listen to the voice of a student who's been there, who's lived through it, and use her suggestions as best you can. So Hannah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now, have you had any lockdowns this year?
1: Uh, no, we actually didn't have any since uh, freshman year. So I oh, guess wonderful. our security's gotten better.
0: Yes, it has. And certainly your wisdom has grown with it. <laughs> so thank you, Hannah. Now let's talk about the same situation or the same topic from Hannah's mother. So we're now gonna shift from Hannah to her mother, Nicole Mercer. Now, Nicole is a mother of two daughters. She's also an educator, and as I mentioned earlier, a certified conscious discipline instructor. But however we wanna phrase Nicole, right now she's gonna put on her mother hat and be mom. So welcome, Nicole, to Real Talk for Real Teachers.
2: Thank you, Becky, I'm glad to be here.
0: So, Nicole, before we dive into this lockdown discussion, Can you just share a moment for our listeners, basically, when you got introduced to Conscious Discipline and how it impacted your parenting and when?
2: We were introduced to Conscious Discipline through a school that I was working at in Orlando. They actually hired you to do a parent workshop. So um, Russell and I went. We actually brought Grace with us. She was about a month old, and I was pacing in the back of the room with her. And Hannah was two. And so it was from there that our journey began. After that event, I was afforded the opportunity to come to the Summer Institute that summer. And so I did. And we began from there and how it's impacted our parenting, gosh, in every way possible and positive. The thing I say the most now about it, that the girls are teenagers, is we're getting to do life differently than how it was for me as a teenager Um, because we have a different skill set for them. So it's just been the complete opposite, if you will, of my experience as a teenager with my mom, who actually attends my parenting workshops now with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exciting. So the week long is really for teachers. So what inspired you to tweak all that and throw it in your home?
2: actually it was understanding all the brain information. To be honest, I was not really thrilled about my first adventure to the Summer Institute. I was the teacher that was chosen by the principal to go. To be completely honest, when we left the parent workshop, Russell and I were both like, she's really great, but that's never going to work. So my transformation moment was understanding the brain information and how the brain works and That made complete sense to me. I could see myself in each of those brain states and could see what my parenting was going to look like if I didn't put some additional tools in my box.
0: Let's take one situation you had with your girls. You just had a big weekend. You've had to have something happen. So some situation that you had with your girls and give me the old Nicole and the new Nicole so people can get an idea of what you're talking about.
2: Oh, goodness. So, yes, we just did have a big weekend, and we had an incident just yesterday. (laughs) Hannah called. She was driving home, and she called to say that she had had her birthday checks up above the visor in the car, and two of them flew out the window on the way home. And so, because it was the end of a long weekend, and Mom was tired and didn't have much of an executive state left, I did use old Nicole's skills in that moment and fussed at her on the phone. And, you know, that's not a wise place to keep your money. Why didn't you turn the car around and go get them? And by the way, you're going to pay all the bank fees that it costs for those people to stop payment. And I'm not going to allow them to issue you a new check so that you can have your birthday money. Uh, So that was really great. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I was able to compose myself and finish my grocery shopping. And come home and actually just say to Hannah, so that wasn't my most helpful state. And we need to get a plan for A, how do we safely keep our money until it goes to the bank? Um, And B, by the way, Dad and I stopped on the way home and um, did find your checks that were on the side of the road. And so, you know, I wasn't willing to stop and find the checks. I just wanted to yell at her for having not kept them in a safe place in the first place when on the first phone call. But from a calm place, I'm always able to be helpful. And Grace, her last time we had an incident, and then I came back from a place of calm and I walked in her room and she was just kind of smiling at me. I said, so what's the smile about? And she goes, well, this is what you do. (laughs) So they know that I have the skills to come back
0: and be helpful now, so let me see if I understand what you're saying. So let's just go back to the Hannah situation mm-hmm. with the checks. So when you were upset, you got triggered about this, that now it's an inconvenience and she's messed it up. And so you kind of fussed at her about where to keep it, what you should do, and you're going to have to pay for the fees, etc. But once you were able to calm yourself down, then you could think more clearly about what you truly wanted to do. Is that correct?
2: Oh, yeah. My first thought with, from the uncom place was, you know, she purposely was irresponsible. And from a calm place
0: was, we have some teaching to do about, you know, how to keep your stuff safe. So what happened then as you got calmer, your intention changed? Oh, absolutely. So let's do another example. So let's go when they're a little bit younger. And just for the listening audience, if there are two children Hannah and Grace, and Grace is the younger sister of Hannah. So let's have a little sibling fighting. How about that? Something that just irritates you as you watch them interact.
2: Okay, so the girls were in the pool, and Hannah went to dump Grace out of her float, and Grace responded with, you know, if you dump that, I'm never, ever going to talk to you ever again which they're sisters, so the likelihood that that's going to happen is not the case. Um, but I happen to catch this, and normally the two of them not getting along and bickering, especially when we're doing something fun and being on vacation, I would find very irritating. But I happen to, at that point, be, be able to take a breath and then just say to Grace, so what is it that you want your sister to do? So I was able to help them solve that problem from that, Helpful place of parenting. And it took Grace a minute and it took some coaching, but she was able to say to Hannah, I don't want you to tip me out. You can get in with me if you want to be on the float together with me. Before I learned about conscious discipline, what I would have done was ended everybody's fun and made them get out of the pool and sit on the side of the pool in a timeout kind of thing. Or just ended the fun for the whole day, depending how upset I was at the fact that they weren't getting along.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So when you're teaching, you had to flip it for Hannah to focus on what she did want instead of what she didn't want. And it took her a while to say, well, you could get in the float with me. Or I guess also she could get out of the pool and, or go swim at the other end. All right. So now let's shift to the topic at hand. Lockdowns. Now, have you been the parent of a child in a lockdown? Yes. What happened to you? I mean, did you get a text? I mean, how did you know this was going on? And what was your immediate reaction?
2: Hannah actually sent a text that said, Hey, we're on lockdown. And I mean, I think I just held my breath, was my immediate reaction and thought, You know, oh my God, what do we do? Like, is she going to be safe? How are we going to get out of this? are there police on the scene? I just had a million questions coming that I wanted someone to answer for me immediately. Was there
0: a place to get those answers? Actually, no,
2: there wasn't. In their school, when they're on lockdown, all of the, as it should be, energy of the faculty, staff, administration, law enforcement, everything is on maintaining the safety of the school. But it's a little frustrating and agonizing when you can't get immediate, real-time communication from those in charge of keeping the
0: safety. So the first thing that happens then, as is, is what I'm hearing from you and your experience, is that you have a huge amount of anxiety wells up. Questions are firing in your head, like, what about this? What about that? What about this? Who's doing what? I mean, I don't know this stuff. I don't know anything. And nowhere to find those answers. So it seems to me that as a parent, the first thing you have to do is figure out some way either to let that drive you nuts or to try some way to calm down. Now, which direction did you go in?
2: I actually started breathing and attempting to calm myself down so that I could perhaps send helpful communication back to Hannah and help her with that same skill if needed.
0: So after that, what was the scariest moment then, and you sent it back to her, but what was the most frightening thing that happened during that event?
2: Waiting to hear from her if it was actually a drill or if there was actually
0: shooting on campus. And what did you find out when she responded to you? When
2: she was able to respond, there actually in fact was a person in the school parking lot who was not a student of their school, but a student of another school who did, in fact, have a weapon in their car, but the school resource officer was thankfully uh, noticed and was right on top of it. So
0: a would-be incident was prevented. And then tell me about that.
2: I then wanted to know what were all of the school procedures, because at this time she was a freshman. It was two weeks into high school. I mean, she was new to high school and so were we. And so, you know, in two weeks time, we hadn't thought to get all of that kind of information. And so, you know, then I went about seeking what is the school's policy? How does all of this happen? What, What will happen if it is actual? Who will communicate with us? How will we know our child is
0: safe? So just getting all of those questions then answered from school. And could you get those answered? I mean, you found that, was it on the website or how did you get that answer? Just a basic procedures.
2: We could and the school, once the incident is over, then they do send out communication from their listserv from the principal.
0: I'm sure you took a big old exhale at that point.
2: Oh goodness, yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now when she got home, so you have this different stages as a parent. So the first stage is you hear this information, then you've got to manage yourself somehow. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: and certainly, like you said, so that you could be helpful to Hannah, because if you could get a text back, you certainly don't want to say, oh, my gosh, you're gonna die. I mean, we really want to say something that's truly helpful. And then when you did see your daughter, so how did you what happened when you first saw her again? And how did you go about seeing her?
2: Well, I pick her up from school. So just a huge sense of relief to actually have her back in my custody and knowing that she was safe and well and all right. Um, And then we talked about the day and I asked her, I said, so, you know, tell me, tell me what happened. You know, what did the teachers do? What did you do? What were the other kids in the class doing? You know, did you feel safe? Was information coming to you so that you would know what to do if it was an actual emergency? Just checking in with her about what her experience was during that time.
0: And so what did she say? What was her general comments? Not all of them, but I mean, we've already spoke to Hannah. So just a a general sense from your perspective, kind of what state was she in and how was she handling all this?
2: From my perspective in that conversation, initially it was scary, but that she started breathing. Um, She kept looking to the teacher and looking at the teacher's face for information and could tell from that 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 everything was okay you know, in that moment. And she also said to me that um, she noticed that other students around her scooted near her uh, and were asking her, how was she so calm?
0: Yeah. And could she talk or did she say anything to them?
2: I really don't think she responded or not that I recollect that she actually responded to them in that moment. But just it was just interesting to me that, you know, she was radiating some sense that others
0: came towards her. And what do you accredit that to? How would she know to start breathing and to calm herself down?
2: Just Hannah's ability, thankfully, to all of the conscious discipline skills and uh, all the work that we do around feelings and that, um, you know, she's been raised when feelings come. The first thing that's helpful is to breathe um, so that you can name it and get the message and then maneuver yourself um, as needed from there. So thankfully, that's her inner speech when feelings come up, says to her, you know, Hannah, breathe.
0: I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, I'm the creator of this, and that's still my second language, not my first language. So I'm assuming that was very heartwarming to you to know, one, she has the skills, she can use them, and also that she could help others. How was that for you as a parent?
2: I it's just a, a proud moment and just an incredible gratitude for what you've given us through conscious discipline to know, you know, like you said, she has skills that I will never have as immediate to me, and it's just extreme gratitude that that that's the skill set she's got at sixteen, now seventeen years old to
0: go out in the world and do life with. It's just amazing. So, have you had any since that second week? Have you had any more lockdowns or anything like that?
2: They have had some drills, and then they have had one instance where the school went on lockdown because there was crime in the area, but not on campus. So that one just, again, was for safety. But they have had the drills.
0: Yeah, so they've had the drills. Now, Hannah said she really wanted those drills. She wanted to know what the procedure was. So what was the impact, do you think, overall on Hannah? I mean, you didn't grow up with these drills, did you?
2: No, I didn't.
0: I mean, you're like me. You had a fire drill, right?
2: Yeah. Mostly that's what I remember in school was just a fire drill.
0: And we never saw a fire. I mean, there was never a fire. We didn't see fires on TV. We didn't see kids burning. We didn't see any of that. We just had these kind of fire drills. Right. So now she's seen uh, stuff on TV. She's known about all the shootings that have happened. I mean, she's a wise young lady. Has she talked about the impact of that, about going back to school? Was it hard to go the next day or does she have any apprehensive about school or what's her mindset or her sensations or thoughts or beliefs or anything about school now?
2: I don't think she had a hard time going back. Like I said, we we always create space to talk about and process and go through these things. But I can say since this last episode uh, with the Parkland shooting that the kids had a fire drill probably two or three weeks after that. And the girls at dinner that night said, um, So something scary happened at school today. And so Russell and I are like, Yeah, well, what was that? And they said, We had a fire drill. And my first thought was, Well, gosh, why is a fire drill scary? And so we said, Well, tell us a little bit more about how the fire drill is scary. Was this something at school actually on fire? That was our question. And they both almost simultaneously said, well, we didn't know if we should go out or not. And that the the students and the teacher actually froze for a moment trying to decide, do we follow the procedure that goes with a fire drill, which is exit the classroom? You know, and there were some other kids in the class that made the comment of, um, I don't want to leave the room, we might get shot. And so I don't think there was a lot of impact on her with the drills and the actual lockdown that she experienced as a freshman so much so as now that that we've had this last one that was another massive incident in at a school in Florida and that one seems to have had a different impact
0: yes like the closer to home and a, yes. certainly the the parkland shooter pulled the fire alarm to have the people come out so he had a better shot yes. at, at taking them down so Uh, you can see that it has, even though she doesn't seem apprehensive to go to school, there's something going on that each of these experiences is being embedded somewhere in that body and somewhere in that mind and somewhere in that brain. And how is that for you as a parent? I mean, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that you would, quote, worry and do you worry about your child going to school?
2: It's scary. And I absolutely do worry. That is, that is probably the biggest thing for me on a daily basis is watching them walk out the door and and literally wondering are they going to come home? You know, and that's just not how you think of school ever having to be. So it's terrifying actually.
0: And with that, Nicole, let's bring this to a close and if and if you had like three or four things that you would say to parents, And they're listening and they're feeling that same terrifying situation, like I'm putting them on a bus and I don't know if they're going to come home or I'm taking them off or they're driving off and I don't know if they're coming back. This terrifying state that's existing and uh, them dealing with their own children. What three or four things would you say, you've definitely got to do this? And this is just my experience, you know, my experience with conscious discipline or without it. What are these things that these parents need to be doing?
2: Um, The first thing I would say is know that your children read your nonverbal communication. And so informing yourself of what the school's policies and procedures are so that you have some sense of safety about what will happen in drills and actual active situations so that you can talk from a place of calm and confidence with that about your child You know, managing your own anxiety as much as you can before you have conversations with your kids about these things is definitely helpful. Uh, If they have a sense that you feel confident that those in charge have a plan, then they too can then rest into that plan as well. That would be the the biggest thing, I think.
0: Yeah, and you said that even when you're talking with Hannah, Hannah looked at the teacher's face. She was constantly watching. Mm Mm-hmm to see if you can see any distress on that face or reading these nonverbal cues. So let me just sum that up, So that first one. So this means it wouldn't be helpful to watch TV at some way else, like you're in Florida and this happening in Kentucky, and going, well, I can't believe the stupid police did this or the stupid schools did this or they didn't think about that or they didn't do this. So you're saying that probably doesn't build confidence in yourself that you can share with your kids. Is that what you're saying?
2: That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so number two.
2: The second thing is a little bit what I said earlier, but but when there are lockdown practices at school, then typically parents are notified. So make sure that you're on whatever listserv or communication tool that the school uses to send that information out. But then to make space that afternoon, that same day, For your kids to talk with you about it and how they felt, how it went, Um, let them ask questions. And if you don't have the answer, let them know that you'll talk with school and get the answer for them. Just again to reiterate that the adults that have the care of them, they do have a plan in place. For when these things happen. But again, creating space for them to talk about their feelings, acknowledge the feeling. Don't try to say, oh, this is never gonna happen here, but just saying, yes, that must have felt scary.
0: So, what you're saying then is it wouldn't be helpful as a parent. i pick them up in a car, I'm riding with them, and they're going, boy, that was scary. And you go, well, nothing happened today. It was just a drill. I mean, let's be grateful. Let's just be grateful that they got them in the yard. So what you're saying is don't deny or don't dismiss that feeling. Just simply acknowledge that that probably was a very scary situation.
2: Yes, because that is a very real feeling that surfaced for them when it was happening.
0: And a a very real feeling that surfaced for you too. Yes. 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 Okay, you've got another one or number three? I think those are the two really big ones that I can
2: think of for around, around this topic is... Making that space for the kids to to share their feelings to not negate it and then to communicate that you trust those in charge as well
0: so I'm gonna propose one then, and you probably did it, but you just so you do it so naturally now would be providing that space for them to talk, but was there also it seemed like you said you had dinner and made sure you had dinner together that night? was there some kind of idea in your head that I'm going to do some conscious connecting with that child also, that I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch them and I'm going to look at them face to face. You know how teenagers just blow on by with their own life. Did you make a space also for just that connection piece as opposed to just the sharing piece too?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think probably reflecting back now on that particular day, we use, still use bedtime as a time to have some of that time with our girls. And so on just typical days, uh, it's short and sweet. Um, but on, on those days, um, we stay and we talk a little longer, and we do. We have the connection time. We'll sit beside the bed, hold their hand, yeah. use use that bedtime for that reconnect.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. So thank you, Nicole, for joining us on Real Talk for Real Teachers. And again, thank Hannah also.
2: I'll do. Thank you, Becky.
0: All right. And so some of you might be thinking, oh, what's Becky up to? Well, I am up to rehab and physical therapy and physical fitness right now. So some of you may know I tore my ACL on a skiing accident in Utah. And my goal is to come back from this accident stronger than when I went in. So, I think I was on a little baby green run. When I am come back out of this one, I'm going to be on a big girl blue run uh, back up in those mountains. So we're also getting ready for our summer institutes. We are pretty much sold out, but we do have some seats in St. Albans, Vermont, San Diego, California, and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So that's what I'm up to. If you feel like taking a walk, just do it in my honor. Also, we have a celebration. And so my celebration this time is I want to give a shout-out to the state of Alabama. Now, that's amazing. I was born in Alabama, but I only lived there six weeks, if you're thinking that's where my accent came from. That came from North Carolina. So our Conscious Discipline family is growing in this beautiful state, and they have received a a very sizable grant to infuse Conscious Discipline throughout the state in their early education system. So go Bama. And we have a plan, a, a good plan to create sustainability in a statewide initiative. So I'm celebrating that big time. So until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit
1: ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.